So I just want to say thank you, uh, especially to Sumita for inviting me and for all of the organizers of this wonderful event. And just to think a little bit um, of what Sumita said at the beginning about decentralize or decentering Anglo-Saxon um, British women from this narrative. Uh, and we're going to do that in Brazil, but that doesn't necessarily decenter whiteness, right? So this is still a very um, uh, uh, a story about a Brazilian suffragist. Um, who is white. So over the last 15 years, Latin America has seen the rise and fall of women in politics. A decade before the US almost elected its first women president, Chile elected Michelle Bachelet, who served from 2006 to 2010 and from 2014 to present. Argentina voted in Cristina Kirchner from 2007 to 2015. And Brazil chose Dilma Rousseffi from 2010 to 2016. Um, the good old days. So these women ran on mainly leftist platforms and pushed for women's rights. Yet they also face serious setbacks. Corruption scandals have affected their administrations in similar ways to their male predecessors. And while corruption does not discriminate based on gender, public and political backlash do. For example, Dilma Rousseffi, which is right here in the blue, was impeached in 2016 for covering up a fiscal crisis in the lead up to her 2014 re-election. But the mainly male politicians who led the impeachment campaign against her are themselves facing extensive bribery and money laundering charges. So to students of Brazilian history, Husefi's recent political fate is neither surprising nor new. Of course, women politicians are not excluded from participating in corrupt government structures. But in Brazil, the history of feminist political organizing is intertwined with a reliance on authoritarianism and extra-political patronage networks. And the 20th century career of the scientist, politician, and leading activist Berta Lutz exemplifies the contested nature of feminist politics in Brazil. Lutz champion women's suffrage Brazil in the 1920s and 30s was fundamental in writing the UN Charter in 1945 and worked transnationally to advance women's equal rights in the post-World War II era of global governance. But Lutz's international success in organizing for women's equal rights was a result of her adept manipulation of decades of contentious Brazilian politics. Despite her suffragist organizing in Brazil, authoritarianism and not democracy defined her feminist career. Mid 20th century Brazil experienced various authoritarian regimes. Instead of shying away from these dictatorial governments, Lutz allied herself with various political strongmen if they helped advance her equal rights feminist agenda. In the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, she saw these men as supplying the patronage relationships needed to engage in intergovernmental feminist organizing. Given that she started out as a suffragist, this turn away from electoral politics and towards authoritarianism is nothing less than ironic. Her legacy is a combination of an unwavering support for women's equal rights abroad and repeated concessions to demagogues at home. Lutz deftly positioned herself in two different environments, often in tension with one another in the name of women's rights. So here's a a later photo. So I'm going to explore Lutz's um, 
briefly explore her early leadership of the 1920s suffragist campaign um, before I look at how the onset of dictatorship in the late 1930s in Brazil um, changed her opinion on the view of, of electoral politics. Uh, then I'm going to look briefly at her role at the UN um, Charter, in which her actions culminated in the inclusion of gender equality in the founding document and also the creation of the UN's Commission on the Status of Women. Um, and then I'm going to look at her international activism in the Inter-American Commission of Women, which was affiliated with the UN in the 1950s and 60s. And this activism cemented her role as Brazil's preeminent feminist leader. And it also allowed Brazil's then military dictatorship, which was from 1964 to 1985, to send her as an official Brazilian delegate to the UN's first International Women's Year in 1975 in Mexico City. Um, and then I'll just conclude by thinking a little bit about her sort of career trajectory in relation to current day politics. Um, so Berta Maria Julia Lutz was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1894 to the Swiss Brazilian scientist Adolfo Lutz and the English nurse Amy Fowler. Lutz studied here in England in the 1910s where she witnessed the suffrage movement. And then she later received a degree in biology from the Sorbonne in 1918. After graduating, Lutz returned to Brazil and became the country's second woman to hold a civil service position when she won a post as a secretary at Rio de Janeiro's National Museum. There, she would later enjoy a 45-year scientific career as a zoologist specializing in herpetology, which is the study of frogs. Um, in 1922, Lutz founded the Brazilian Federation for Feminine Progress, and that's a picture here, and she is right here in the white dress. Um, the organization spearheaded a concerted suffrage movement in the 1920s, and in 1932, literate Brazilian women over the age of 21 received the right to vote. And here is Berta Lutz's first voting card. So this is what she used to vote at the polls. Um, in 1936, Lutz became elected, an elected member of the Federal Congress. And so here she is uh, in the middle outside the Congress, and that is her father, Adolfo. So despite this expansion of democracy, Lutz's participation in official electoral politics was short-lived. In the mid-1930s, Getulio Vargas, who was Brazil's then president and Lutz's ally in passing suffrage, became increasingly right-wing and populist. In 1937, he instituted his dictatorial Estado Novo, which means the new state, which lasted until 1945. And he dissolved Congress and ended electoral politics. Vargas co-opted all forms of activism, depoliticizing labor and women's rights under an authoritarian patronage system in which the government provided social services and political favors in return for unquestioning support. As Brazilian politics turned semi-fascist under Vargas, Lutz no longer hoped to engage in electoral politics to advance women's rights. In an unaddressed letter from the period, Lutz referenced the end of electoral politics and what that meant for feminism in Brazil. So she said, quote, now the vote is gone with the winds of adversity. Women are so discouraged, like everyone else, by the full and absolute monopoly of the state. Instead, she united with other Latin American feminists within the Inter-American Commission on Women, um, working against fascism in an international realm. The Estado Novo shut the door of democratic politics for Lutz. Nevertheless, as World War II drew to a close and the world's nations gathered in San Francisco to write the UN Charter, Vargas appointed Lutz to the official Brazilian delegation. 
so here she is. You can see it's a pretty uh, male-dominated delegation. Um, <clears throat> So why did the fascist-leaning Vargas send a strident feminist and anti-fascist to represent Brazil? The answer lies in Lutz's other professional pursuit, science, or the frogs in my title, and how it intersected with Vargas's authoritarian style. So Vargas, like other Latin American dictator, dictators, was nationalistic but not an ideologue. He expanded and consolidated a strong federal government to ensure social control and maintain political power by combining the fascist styles of Spain and Portugal with the populist policies of Roosevelt's New Deal. One important aspect of state expansion was Vargas's increased support for the arts and sciences. He viewed the development of national culture, including scientific inquiry, as central to his creation of a, quote, modern Brazilian identity. While Vargas shut down Lutz's political ambitions, his extensive state patronage for science as a nationalistic pursuit created a politically neutral space for Lutz to advance her scientific career. In the end, Vargas sent a feminist to the UN putting a democratic sheen on an authoritarian government. And for her part, Lutz used this relationship to continue her international push for women's rights. So Lutz played several key roles at the UN conference. First, she successfully lobbied to include equal rights um, between the sexes in the charter. And this was not an easy feat, and Lutz faced significant resistance from both men and women delegates. Uh, in particular, US and British women delegates were opposed to, me to any measures directed specifically to realizing equal rights for women. Thus, Lutz, along with other Latin American women delegates, and I have some quotes, and I could talk about that more in the question and answers if you're interested. Um, so Lutz, along with other Latin American delegates, successfully organized to include gender equal language in the charter. Lutz also helped draft Clause 8, which stipulated men's and women's equal participation in the UN. Um, and in addition, she created the framework for the creation of an independent commission on the status of women, or the CSW. In 1948, uh, she was one of three women to represent their countries as signatories of the UN's Declaration of Human Rights. And Lutz, so Lutz's actions during the conference in support of gender neutral language and the formation of the CSW or the commission laid the foundation for this new era of human rights. But perhaps less obvious is that Vargas's authoritarian politics in Brazil supported Lutz's uh, push for women's rights on a global stage. Lutz found no contradiction in working with authoritarian men and even racists to advance women's rights. So her opinion of Prime Minister Jan Smuts of South Africa is telling in relation to this point. So Lutz praised Smuts, I know that rhymes, but um, at the UN conference for supporting women's rights. However, she found his support for segregation less troubling. Quote, he, Smuts, told me that he had used the words the equal rights of men and women and of nations great or small so as not to come up hard against the racial, pre racial prejudices of his countrymen. That was his contribution and a very fine one, too. Uh, Smuts pushed to not include racial equality in the UN Charter. So for Lutz, the Prime Minister of South Africa's support of white women's rights trumped all else. 
In the decades following World War II, Lutz continued her international work with the Inter-American Commission on Women, through which she maintained her connection to the UN. There, Lutz pushed for equal participation of men and women in UN-affiliated organizations. Um, but when Getulio Vargas committed suicide in the mid-1950s, it seemed Lutz had lost her most powerful patron. And she's standing, and this is Getulio Vargas right here on her side. However, in the decade that followed, authoritarianism still dominated Brazilian politics, and Lutz continued to rely on strong men at home to organize abroad. In 1964, the Brazilian military instituted the beginning of a 20-year dictatorship. In her correspondence during that time, Lutz did not criticize the military. Rather, she once again made use of her own nation's dictatorial politics to advance feminism to advance her international equal rights agenda. Vargas had continually appointed Lutz as Brazil's feminist delegate to major international conferences, and in 1975, Brazil's military dictatorship sent her to the UN's International Women's Year in Mexico City. So here's. At the conference in Mexico City, Lutz organized extensively to push for an equal rights agenda. Despite this objective, her long-standing alliance with authoritarians overshadowed her commitment to women's equal rights. This contradiction can be seen in her support for the violent and repressive military dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet in Chile, which was from 1973 to 1989. At the conference, Lutz harshly dismissed activist efforts to push the UN to investigate Pinochet. As Lutz wrote in a draft of her final report, quote, the greatest aggression suffered by a country by its peers was the censorship, censorship of Chile and the recommendation that a UN commission of inquiry investigate the alleged atrocities, end quote. Lutz agreed with the official Chilean delegate that the military in Chile was simply restoring order. Lutz's support for Chile's authoritarian regime represented the official position of the repressive military dictatorship in Brazil. And in fact, delegation leaders of various Latin American countries under dictatorial rule allied themselves with the pro-Pinochet Chilean delegation. But this criticism was also part of Lutz's personal view that feminists should use authoritarianism to their advantage. To Lutz, the delegates who had advocated against Pinochet were diverting precious attention from the ultimate goal of equality between the sexes, and they were perhaps wasting important patronage networks in critiquing the powers that be. Let's ally herself with authoritarian governments because they gave her the means to continue organizing around women's rights. In her quest for gender equality, let's turn a blind eye to the actions of repressive regimes. So a little over a year after she returned from the conference, Lutz died in Rio de Janeiro at the age of 82. Her career serves as a reminder of the importance of democracy to successful and sustained advances in gender equality. Let's pave the way for women's expanded political authority in Brazil, but she also furthered its anti-democratic tendencies by working with fascist and authoritarian governments. It is fitting to remember that Lutz associated herself with the dictatorship that captured and tortured President Dilma Rousseffi for her leftist militancy. And here she is on trial in 1970. President Michel Bachelet of Chile, who I introduced at the beginning, was also tortured and exiled by the Pinochet dictatorship, the same one Lutz supported in Mexico City. As we enter into a global era of right-wing backlash to advances in democratic rule and gender equality, Lutz's feminist trajectory provides a valuable lessons in the danger of shunning democracy 
shunning long-term investments in democratic rule for short-term gains in women's rights. Thank you.